0: Ladies and gentlemen, now it's too late with Alan Mosley.
1: Yeah. Woo! Welcome back to the show, everybody. Welcome back. I hope everyone's doing well. I know I'm doing well. Welcome back for another episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by the number one
0: producer in late night. It's Dave Wolomowski. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I, you know, I haven't been working a ton of hours recently. I got to soak in our little pool today. Nice Ooh. sunny, warm day. It's been yeah, it's been nice. I'm I'm Ooh. excited about today's show. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, oh, you, wow.
1: <laughs> you say <laughs> that now, just wait. Oh, it is. Oh yeah, no, this is a fantastic episode. I'm really excited. I was telling I was telling Dave before the show started, everybody that this week is what we here in the business call a share episode. Now, see, most episodes that we do, we don't. You don't share those with your friends and family. That's 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 no way to make friends right there but yep. tonight's episode is a share episode it's 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 a good encapsulation of what we'd like to do here on the program as well as uh i think i feel like it's friendly to people that maybe are not as aware of what we like to do on the show but, oh, does that make sense like do, do you guys have your share episodes versus your let's keep it to ourselves episodes there's there's been a couple mm-hmm. <laughs> okay all right i did we we won't name them though. We won't name them. No. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, turns out the leaks were true. Roe v. Wade has been overturned. But fear not, ladies and gentlemen, for if there's one thing that America is known for, it is spirited yet polite public discourse on the issues. Uh, let's take a look right here. Oh. Well, uh, so, uh, so anyway, that was spirited. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I just want you. I just want you to know for, for everybody at home, you guys don't get to see this, but Dave does. That clip was titled "Hose Mad." That's what one, that was titled. Yeah. in O. P. S. Ladies and gentlemen, it looks like it is time to reject modernity and embrace tradition.
0: Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. All right, we better not play
1: too much of that. We're gonna we're gonna get yeah we're gonna, we're gonna get dinged. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we are. Uh, you know the amazing thing is, is you heard one of the crowds there in that clip uh, yelling "F Eric Clarence Thomas" as if he was the only justice, right? He's the only yeah. one that that ruled against Roe v. Wade. Interesting how that plays out. Uh, let's check, check in out. to see how uh, Justice Thomas is doing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He's looking slender. Yeah, he's lost <laughs> a little weight. Well, I mean, it's, it's the anxiety. It's the pressure. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. Do it um, you know what's amazing is that the timing of this is great, because I actually ran a poll. Take a look at this. This was just last week on Twitter. I ran this poll that said, do you believe in the concept of progressives, quote, projecting and that they are on net more racist than right wingers? Mm. 87.5% of people agreed with that statement. How about that? Hmm. Speaking of Malcolm X, by the way, you know he was one who had specifically warned his followers against the poison of the white liberal because he genuinely felt that white liberals were just going to use the black man for their own agenda, but they didn't actually care about them one bit. But we like to be fair and balanced on this show. So we're going to hear it straight from a white liberal woman right here. Check out this tweet. Doesn't that n- realize his rights are next? Whoa! Wow! Yeah! Wow! Just came right out there and said it. All caps. Don't say it, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> yeah. But but nobody told her not to say it. That's the problem. And so they they don't tell him. The amazing thing is is that there's a lot of people out there doing this. There's a lot of people out there just dropping that bomb as if it's okay. Since I'm upset, I get to say that word and I get a pass. Um, What's amazing to me is is that we have a saying around this part of the country. I don't know if you've heard this up there where you guys are, but we have a saying around here that says uh, that leftists get mad whenever their brown folks wander off the reservation. Have you ever heard that phrase, wander off the reservation? i tell you what, Democrats, it never ceases to amaze when a black man has a position they disagree with. Yikes. <laughs> I'm so, by the way, I see you in chat. I'm so excited you're back. Stick yeah. around. We got to get the story from you. Uh, but until then, guys, we're going to be back with the meme of the week in the viewer mail right after this commercial break. Go away. Uh, welcome back to the show, everybody. Hey, uh,
0: hey, Dave. Yes, Alan.
1: What time is it?
0: It's time for Meme of the Week. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's it. Leonardo DiCaprio has appeared in every segment of the show so far tonight. Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah he's hot. And it's hot right now. Yeah. Oh, is <laughs> he Dave? Is that what you think? Just... uh, okay. I, mean, I'm, I'm I haven't seen him lately. I don't know. I, it's, it's whatever you want to do, buddy. I, you know, <laughs> uh, but we do have a bonus meme. Check out the you bonus do. meme. Girlfriend, do these jeans make me look fat? Me, do you promise not to get mad no matter what I say? Girlfriend, yes, I promise. Me, I smoked crack after work and sold the car.
0: There we go. Boy, we've all it'd be been nice there. Have, yeah, it'd be nice to have that pass, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm glad our friend is back. That's some more good advice right there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to now talk to your significant other. That's yeah. how that that's what we should have used as the answer for last week of how me and Dave know it's true love that we could smoke crack after work, he and I together, and sell, sell our car. cars, and we're still chugging along for, for the kids, <laughs> mostly, you know,
0: for the children.
1: I see someone in chat say that's why my wife divorced me. It's come on, that's not the only reason. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we we gotta we gotta stay on top of things tonight because yeah. the guest interview segment tonight is an absolute banger. This is a bombshell interview we've got tonight, but it actually takes like most of the show, so there's no time. So I wanna take a moment to explain to everyone that there's no time for lollygagging. Yeah. You get
0: that, Dave? Can't be just sitting here explaining things over and over. Yeah,
1: you got to respect the audience's intelligence and not just explain things. Just move mm -hmm. the plot along.
0: Yeah, they like that.
1: Uh, This is when you're supposed to hit a goddamn button. I swear, Jesus Christ! Like you could hit laugh, you could hit nobody Uh, gives, you could hit shut up, you could hit uh, anything, anyone. Just a lot of them would have worked there. The world's your oyster over here on the stream deck, and it's just for you. Everything seems to be less is more. I found.
0: Yeah, I I, I like the awkward silences.
1: All right. Well, <laughs> let's go ahead. Speaking of awkward silences, let's go ahead and answer the viewer mail. Oh,
0: this one is awesome. This is my favorite one. I don't even know what kind of printer? <laughs> Shut up, Dave. <laughs> All right, our first
1: question comes from Andrew Avery, who writes, Dear Alan and Dave, is it cruel to follow paranoid people on social media?
0: Hmm. Oh, oh. I see what he did there.
1: I'm gonna say no because if they were really that paranoid, they wouldn't be making themselves available on social media. Like, do you do you know some people on social media that are very private, but them being private means that they like block everything you know like everything is
0: locked down
1: yeah lock it down um or you end up like us where they just lock you down
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: you know all right uh tim weissong writes dear alan and dave name one thing that you like about yourself
0: oh no dave hello darkness my old friend just just no for me just one thing yeah one thing you like (laughs) about yourself dave uh I like my work ethic. Very industrious. I I take mm-hmm. pride in my work. I I yeah. try to give equal work for equal pay, you know, or maybe go above and beyond. It just it makes me feel good about myself.
1: Hmm. Like yeah. how you use that phrase equal work for equal pay, which is a feminist slogan, <laughs> but somehow that <laughs> applies to you. You're you No, 8, eight
0: hours 8 hours work for 8 hours of pay. That's that's what I mean.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you're saying the women don't do eight hours of work. Is that what you're saying? No,
0: no. They're doing all that woman stuff. No. (laughs) Fixing the hair and whatnot. (laughs) This is getting... (laughs) This is going
1: somewhere it wasn't supposed to go, so we better move on.
0: It's getting warm down here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Eric Eli writes, Dear Alan and Dave, Winding down Pride Month, is there anything that you're not proud of that you'd be willing to share? This is like the opposite of the previous question, isn't it? Okay, yeah. I, I answered
0: the last one. You get the answer to answer this
1: one. <laughs> Wait, hold, hold on. No, 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 no. For, you're, you don't get to run this damn show, all right? I'm going to go back and answer the previous question so that you have to answer this one. Okay. Uh, what's one thing that I like about myself? Uh, my humility. All right, so <laughs> Eric <Hila laughs> writes, is there anything that you're not proud of that you're willing to share? Um, uh. No, man, I'm... I'm so often the smartest person in the room. I like that about me. So so now that I've answered the first <laughs> question, uh, something that I'm not proud of that I'd be willing to share. Dave, I'll, I'll even go first to give you time. Okay. Um, I am not proud of the fact that I tend to respond out of anger. I'm quick to anger. I have an underlying rage behind basically every all the jokes and everything we do on the show comes from a place of malice, not a place of humor. Oh, it yeah. usually works too. Like when we're done with the show every week and everyone's like laughing, you know, they're having they're they're wiping away the tears from all those belly laughs we gave them and heading back to the house. I go into the other room and just start punching the wall because I'm just so mad. <laughs> like, God damn it, Dave didn't hit that one button when I wanted. He said, and again, (laughs) (laughs) and now, all right, (laughs) Jesus, why'd you even have to bring that up? We got to do the whole live (laughs) event again. Got to re-record it. All right. Uh, What's something you're not proud of, Dave?
0: Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm, you know, sometimes, sometimes I think I might drink a little too much, you know, particularly heavy. Yeah. Like, like Ninja Turtle Night this week, the end of the, by the end of that game. I, I, I can't have 100 proof bourbon. That's that's just bad.
1: <laughs> I This is the problem with not having our cameras on screen where we're playing is that people can't keep track of you. Oh, yeah. I need a drink. Yeah, <laughs> like send some messages to that and say, Dave, maybe have some water. You know, Yeah.
0: well, that Mary came down and, and she saw the bottle and she's like, I'm just going to take this upstairs. I'm like, that's probably for the best. <laughs> oh, OK. Well, yeah. you know, at least she knows your limitations. and She's yeah, there. Yeah. We... Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, Celestanis writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, what's your favorite thing to do on a staycation? What do you like to do on a staycation, Dave?"
0: <laughs> not much. That's my favorite thing to do is not much. Hang out, uh, you know, play around the yard and stuff. Maybe go for a bike ride. It's things that are free, yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you're doing a staycation, you're trying to save money, so yeah, yeah. Maybe tour tour our local cities, see things that we haven't seen before. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I mean, when everyone went on vacation In the 1st of June to come here That was really just a staycation for me So there was vacations and staycations Happening side by side At the same time And so the answer is Go to Waffle House Yep, That's what you guys do on vacation And that's what I do on staycation (laughs) (laughs) So there you go Uh, Aaron writes Dear Alan and Dave What was the last movie you watched that made you cry? Ooh Oh, I meant to think of. Yeah, you know what the problem with this question is, is I read it and I thought that Aaron, I thought this was a good question and then I immediately can't remember any movie I've ever nothing. seen in my yep. life. Right. Yep, yep.
0: yep, That's exactly what happened. I Not can't name movie. a movie right cry. now. Yeah. No movie. Name a movie. Yeah. I, I, I got nothing. And <laughs> I, I, I remember getting misty recently. I can't remember what it was. I don't know, Aaron. If I
1: think of something, I'll let you know yeah. in the after party. How about that?
0: Just blurted it out during the show.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll save yeah we'll save that <laughs> for the after party. Uh, Ryan Seaford writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, if you eat sloppy Joe meat with a spoon, does it become just a Joe because it's no longer sloppy?"
0: Mm, it's controlled. Isn't it's sloppy? Controlled Joe. Is sloppy Joe meat just like ground beef? Yeah, but it adds like this tomato sauce that you get. It's like a can that you add to it. So yeah, so
1: it's just so it just becomes ground you're just eating ground beef with a spoon, Ryan. Ryan. Ryan.
0: Don't do that. Yeah, don't don't do no, that. No, I do that some keto, so everyone's. Fine.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, then oh, yeah, <laughs> then do that, yeah. Um and finally Marilyn Wilimowski writes, Dear Alan and Dave. Uh-oh. Who would you want to play you in a movie of your life? Ooh. Um Now I can't think of any actors. <laughs> I'm going to say Billie Eilish.
0: What? Oh. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> just, just moody, you know. Yeah. She looks angry. Yeah, yeah, that Upset.
1: works. Upset, yeah. Uh, what about you, Dave? You got one?
0: Well, I I, I was going to say Brendan Fraser, but, you know, he went through a little rough period. I don't know what he's looking like now, but it, it'd, probably, it'd probably be right, Brendan Fraser. Okay, you do Brendan
1: Fraser, and I'll do Val Kilmer, so we'll both be played by actors that are way over the hump that became Chonky Boys. Yeah,
0: yeah, I was going to say, like, like, Encino Man, Brendan Fraser, but no, that's that that's gone for me too oh yeah
1: <laughs> uh yeah a commando version of arnold schwarzenegger there you go <laughs> in the same outfit same outfit because sure. that's what i that's what i wear around the house that's what i do yep yeah all right uh, morning, on that please. note on that note guys we're going to be back with mike meharry of the 10th amendment center to talk about everything supreme court related right after this commercial break stick around welcome back to the show everybody our guest this evening is the national communications director of the 10th amendment center which is incredibly appropriate for this week Uh, mike there's just nothing going on in the news for us to talk about but i think we'll figure out a way to fill up
2: the time mike meharry welcome back to the show yeah i was wondering like why why did you even invite me this week also i just have to say best music in late night whatever this is (laughs) yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, it's – it. yeah, what is this? That's I, mean, it's that, like, we I was to, about to
2: say late-night TV, but obviously this isn't TV, but late-night video, late-night something.
1: Could you imagine just for one night them replacing Jimmy Fallon with me? I think that would be epic. Uh, well, I mean it would definitely be the last time I'd ever be allowed <laughs> on TV. That's for damn sure. Uh, Mike – Lots happened in the past week. Um, We're going to try our best to condense several different rulings. We're going to talk about abortion, which, as everyone knows, is one of my personal favorite things to talk about. Um, And now now it's appropriate to talk about it. It is. Uh, But there was a lot of rulings Mm -hmm. over the last week and a half, two weeks. Uh second amendment, mm-hmm. uh prayer mm-hmm. at football games has has reared its head once again. Of course, obviously the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So we're we're going to try to do things a little bit chronologically. We're going to start with the second amendment ruling. Mm-hmm. Uh Scotus rules against the state of New York on second amendment grounds. Uh, starting there. Mike, just as a brief overview, can you explain for the audience what a may issue state is
2: versus a shall issue versus a none of the above? What does that mean? Sure. So a shall issue state, which I think most uh, – certainly most southern states, and, and I think really think most states that have a concealed carry program are shall issue. Basically all that means is if you meet the criteria uh, to uh, carry a firearm concealed, then they are – Obligated to issue that permit, so you know they obviously there's stipulations. You might have to do a course, uh, you know, you might have to pass a criminal background check, those types of things. But as long as you meet those criteria, they have to issue the permit. A may issue state um, basically it gives the government uh, a way to evaluate whether or not they think you should actually have. A firearm or not. So, in the case of New York, uh, it was basically that you had to show that you really, really, really needed to carry a firearm for self-defense. So, you had to have some compelling reason and prove that uh, that you needed to carry the firearm in order for them to issue. So, basically, gave them latitude to deny. Most applications for concealed firearms. So it's just a difference in, in the way the government evaluates the, the issuance, the shall issue very specific set of guidelines. You meet those guidelines, uh, you get the permit, no questions asked. In a may issue state, the government gets to say, Ah, oh, no, I don't think Alan Mosley really needs the gun.
1: Now, obviously, this ruling involved the state of New York, but this obviously reverberates to other states right. that have either similar policies as New York or were in the process of legislating similar, similar policies okay. as the state of New York. Um, now, this was a uh, – a- as we hear in the news, this is a 6-3 conservative majority in the Supreme Court allegedly – uh, and so this court seems to be a little bit more aggressive, perhaps, with going, going against things, uh, going against precedent that previous courts, especially previous courts featuring conservatives, have been willing to do. But this court ruled on this particular ruling against the state of New York based on the Second Amendment, saying that the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, they were infringing upon that. That seems to harken to something that we refer to as incorporation. So, so we're we're gonna tr- we're gonna start really basic and build up. Can you give us a really really basic definition of what incorporation means and how this is counter
2: to the idea of federalism? Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and actually, if you read the opinion, you'll find that Clarence Thomas. It is based on the Second Amendment that individuals have a right to carry a firearm and the government can't infringe on that. Although. By allowing the uh, Supreme Court, you know they will allow rules. So they've we've already conceded the infringed part, right? Uh, terms and conditions apply, but broadly speaking, they did find that the government, you know, has to re- meet certain standards in order to infringe. Um, but if you read the ruling, you will find that it's actually a Fourteenth Amendment case, and this is where you get incorporation. And very simply put, the Bill of Rights in the Constitution as originally written and ratified, were only intended to limit the power of the federal government. And some people will, their eyes will get big and they'll have, you know, their face will turn red and they'll get very upset by this, but it's really not debatable. Um, We didn't have this until we had the 14th Amendment and actually 50 years after the 14th Amendment was ratified, the court found uh, this substantive due process, they call it. And through that, Uh, They determined that they could impose the federal Bill of Rights on the states. Up until that point, up until a case I think was in 1929-ish, we never saw the federal government interfering with anything going on at the state level through the federal Bill of Rights. So incorporation simply allows the court to effectively veto a state law or a state policy based on their interpretations of the Bill of Rights. And of course, if you understand federalism, and when we say federalism, we simply mean the division of powers between the state governments and the federal governments. uh, We now have a situation where the court is effectively usurping state authority and state power based upon the 14th Amendment and this incorporation doctrine. I've written an article where I actually make the case that the incorporation doctrine has completely destroyed and effectively nullified the 10th Amendment because it allows, again, the federal government to have veto power over state laws and state policies where that was never intended. And in fact, I think most of the founders would be flopping around in their graves if they realized that this was going to happen.
1: Well, that's interesting because if we're... uh, because. Something that I really like about you guys at the Tenth Amendment Center is that we, we know that we have people in our in our community that say, oh, they're
0: talking about
1: my Constitution, <laughs> you know, Spooner, yeah. shouldn't exist. But the reality is, is that that might be good for you, but that's no way to communicate to the other 300 million people right. in the country because that's just not the language they're going to use. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to try to have any type of dialogue and political engagement, we have to figure out a way to engage on the same playing field. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one way I, I kind of look at it. And so in, with, with this particular ruling, uh, something that even you, your, you yourself, and I'm not calling you out on this, but you yourself uh, just in your explanation said the government, the government X, Y, and Z. Well, which government? Right, Because the language in the Constitution, a la the Tenth Amendment, when talking about rights being reserved for the states or individuals respectively, that's that literally is basic language implying that there are separate sovereigns mm-hmm. in this conversation. There's more than one government in this conversation. And ergo, the Bill of Rights – I believe it was James Madison who wanted the Bill of Rights to be applied to the states because he felt that that's where tyranny would be found
2: and he was overruled that
1: was not accepted by the ratifiers yeah, correct that
2: is absolutely correct in fact during the Philadelphia convention Madison proposed a federal veto over all state laws and that was rejected uh, in the drafting of the constitution and then we fast forward to the Uh, Bill of Rights. And the way that Madison structured the Bill of Rights, uh, instead of them being tagged on at the end of the Constitution, uh, he actually placed them in certain places in the Constitution. And when you read the way he placed them, several of the articles in the Bill of Rights would have, in fact, applied to the states. And again, that was debated and rejected because they did not want to expand federal power to that degree at the expense of state power. So, just for folks who may not you know, really grasp what we're saying here, under the constitutional system, the federal government was delegated a very few powers. All of the other powers were left to the states and the people. So the people in the states decide what powers they're going to grant to their state governments, and there was supposed to be a separation of those things. So when you have a violation of your rights by – or an overreach of power by a state or local government – they all intended for that to be handled at the state level through their state constitutions, not to have the federal government as basically a liberty enforcement squad, uh, you know, imposing their interpretation of what our rights are uh, on on 320 million people. Of course, there weren't 320 million people then, but uh, that's the reality today.
1: Now you just mentioned state constitutions. Now this is something I think that the the, the layman who's getting their headlines from memes or CNN, <laughs> they, I think that there's probably people that don't even realize that there are such a thing yeah. as individual state constitutions. But the reality is, is that again, the U.S. Constitution, as ratified, has a very strict, few, and defined powers that it is limited to, right. and it is assumed that anything not specifically mentioned. Is reserved to the states or the people. Mm-hmm. Ergo, you then have fifty states with fifty state constitutions. Now that's very interesting because you you also mentioned Clarence Thomas. Now Clarence Thomas, who, he is getting cheered or jeered, depending on which side of the political spectrum a lot of people yeah. are sitting on today. Um, and I I want you to explain a little bit why a a strict federalist or a federalism perspective might believe that Clarence Thomas is incorrect on his position on the Second Amendment here in the U.S. Constitution, uh, but also talk about, as it pertains to state constitutions, why a lot of these issues don't really matter because a lot of state constitutions mirror the Bill of Rights in 99% of cases.
2: Yeah, so, you know, I've, I've actually heard people say that they think that Clarence Thomas is being inconsistent when you look at the abortion ruling that came out in just a couple of of Days later, uh, and, and compare that to the gun uh, opinion. So here's here's where you where Clarence. I think he's actually consistent in his thinking. I think he's wrong, but he is consistent internally with his thinking. He would argue that the Bill of Rights is incorporated through the Fourteenth Amendment on the states, but stuff that's not mentioned in the Constitution that's not incorporated on the state so he he kind of gets it right when he you know think about enumerated powers um, and so he would say that we can impose the Bill of Rights and the Second Amendment on the states because quote guns are mentioned in the Constitution as some have told me but abortion on the other hand is not anywhere mentioned in the constitution. Therefore, there's no, there's nothing that we can actually incorporate to the states. Now, I think he's, I think he's wrong about incorporation. If You go to the 14th amendment, you look at what was proposed, how it was sold when it was ratified. And some would argue that it wasn't even ratified, but that's a whole different ball of, wa- uh, ball of wax. But if, if you look at it, I don't think that you can make a good case that it was intended to incorporate the Bill of Rights and, and effectively give courts a veto over state law. In fact, uh, you know, a lot of people specifically said, no, that's not what we mean. Now, it is debatable, and you know, that's beyond the scope of the show. But I think that Clarence Thomas is wrong in terms of incorporation. But his thinking is internally consistent. Um, but you're right, because really, a lot of this stuff shouldn't matter because we do have state constitutions, every state constitution has a bill of rights. And these bill of rights broadly mirror the Bill of Rights in the federal constitution. Sometimes they pulled, you know, the states that came along later, they actually pulled verbiage from the federal constitution and just slapped it in the state constitution. In many cases, you'll actually find that the provisions in the state constitutions are better and more sweeping and more protecting of individual liberty than the federal Bill of Rights, especially when it comes to things like, uh, you know, the right to privacy, the Fourth Amendment, those types of things. All of the states have... Uh, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, uh, You know the judicial structures that we find in the Fifth Amendment. All of that stuff is mirrored in state constitutions. Now, as far as guns go, uh, I think there are three states that don't have any provision protecting the right to keep and bear arms. New York, New Jersey, and California, I know for sure there may be one more. If there is, I can't remember what it is. But in every other state, so 47 states, uh, we do have what is the equivalent of a Second Amendment verbiage might be different. But the point is, if your state is violating your right to keep and bear arms under the original constitutional system, you should be suing your state in state court under the state constitution. That's the way it was set up. Now, people will get upset about this because sometimes states aren't very good at protecting our rights. Of course, the federal government isn't very good at it either. So you got to draw the line somewhere. right? Uh, And so my position has always been that centralization of power is the biggest threat to liberty. This was what the founders said. They talked about the dangers of consolidation. That was the prime theme of the anti-federalists, those who were opposing a constitution. Their main argument was that it was going to consolidate power in the central government. Patrick Henry was specifically very adamant against this idea of consolidation. He said it would destroy our liberties. So... This was kind of the the theme of the founding generation. I agree with them. I think where, where you might get some things that you like. I mean, from a pure policy perspective, hell yeah, I'm glad that New York, you know, is kind of got smacked down on the uh, uh, permit issuing, because I think it's absurd that the government gets to tell you whether or not it thinks that you need a gun to defend yourself. But from a, a broader perspective, looking bigger picture, I think really it is detrimental to liberty because you are centralizing more power in the federal government. And I think at the end of the day, to use a term that I really hate, uh, you're going to end up with more encroachments on your liberties from centralized power than not. Well, I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna wax philosophical here for a moment and then I want you to tell me uh, to, to what degree you, you might agree or disagree with this statement. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of us who believe in a in federalism, the the con- the obviously the idea there beyond the fact that we believe that the individual states are Sovereign or the people, respectively, per the Tenth Amendment. Uh, beyond the fact that we obviously believe in decentralization, and that even even if a decentralized power can still oppress you, it can, you know, it, why would you? If Darth Vader is mean to you, why would you run to the Emperor for help? That's right. not you're you're going from bad to worse. But but beyond all of those things, in in terms of of originalism and constitutional theory, there's this concept that if you're willing to cheer opinions that you like even though they fly in the face of federalism then you're setting the stage for a winner takes all game at the federal level you're instead of allowing people to have to be americans yet have 50 different options to choose from to find their unique policy preferences where they would like to live you're driving your opposition to try to oppress you by making it a winner-takes-all game. Does that make
2: sense? Absolutely. I agree completely. I think your point uh, vis-a-vis an escape valve is very important because something that I've learned and and I've come to appreciate more as I've gotten older and and kind of been involved in this liberty game longer is that different people have different conceptions of liberty, right? Um, Some people, like, the most important thing is that they have access to weed. And... Obviously, there are a lot of states that are really good on guns that are really bad on weed, Kentucky and Tennessee. Um, On the other hand, there are people who their number one thing is I want to have a gun. Well, obviously, you don't want to live in California. So, you know, it's not perfect, obviously, but in in the system of federalism, you at least can can kind of move people and, and people can kind of organize themselves in a way that that is more fitting with their concepts of liberty. We've certainly seen that with the COVID regime, right? We have all kinds of people that are moving to Florida because they like the way Ron DeSantis handled the COVID situation. In a winner takes all, the federal government makes all decisions. You can't have that because everything is dictated from the top. So you get what you get from the feds. And and again, if you look at things over history, we're, we're all excited because we got this one good decision, but- By and large, if you look at the way the the federal government, the way the federal courts have interpreted the Bill of Rights, in 90 percent of the cases – I just threw that out there – but in the vast majority of cases, you have a situation where the Supreme Court has ruled in favor of government power and limited your liberties. And that to me is just not – It's not a rational way to organize society. I said this the other day in a a Facebook post. When you have a system where nine politically connected lawyers that are totally unaccountable are making decisions in a, a, a land area that is however many million square miles encompassing 320 plus million people. And they're deciding things like whether a football coach can pray on a football field, uh, whether a woman can have an abortion or, or how uh, individuals handle gun permits. I think that's a sketchy system, no matter how you break it down. Well,
1: on that note, since we're moving on to part two, we're, we're trying to break this into three parts because there's so much so much that's happened in the last seven, 10 days. Part two, we're going to talk a little bit about abortion. Now, people who have watched this program for many amount of time. Know that, look, I had the problem solved for abortion years ago. You just sell the children, <laughs> boom, easy done. <laughs> However, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health that was in Mississippi. That was the that was the case that the the SCOTUS took up, right? Um, and then now there remember there was a leak some number of weeks or months ago. There was a leak from SCOTUS, which, by the way, what what the hell happened there, right? right? Like we're, it's it's just another one of those. Just file that down the memory hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a leak that suggested that Roe v. Wade was going to be
2: overturned. Yeah.
1: And sure enough, it turns out the leak was accurate. It did come to pass. Now, there's a lot of leftists out there that are saying, s- saying words that right-wingers, if if you remember back in the Obama days, you know, Obama gets elected, what is he going to do as president? The same thing every president does. He's going to then start running through hundreds of appointees, particularly in the courts, that are going to then... Uh, and right-wingers are accusing them of judicial activism. Yes. Oh, it, politics has taken over the court. Yes. Because, of course, politics hadn't taken over the court before 2008. <laughs> right. It was only then that politics has taken over the court. Right. And now, today, with a right-leaning court, you have left-wingers using that phrase. Oh, this is judicial activism. Sure. This is courtroom tyranny. Yep. I want you to talk a little bit about the irony of a court that chooses to give its power back, which just never happens, by the way. Right. This ne- you, I mean, as you were just discussing, this never happens. The court always rules for more expansive power, at the, particularly at the federal level. They never overrule themselves and send the powers back to the states or the people. This is actually an instance where that did indeed happen. The overturn of Roe v. Wade means this is no longer – uh, codified at the federal level, it's sent back to the states. What is the irony of of people, particularly left wingers saying that it's tyranny that the
2: court refuses to hold on to power? right Well first off, I was very surprised because one of the the tenets of you know judicial um, thinking is the idea that precedent is sacrosanct and it's very unusual for a, a court to, reverse precedent no matter how bad it is now now that we've done this i'm really excited because you know maybe we can go back and get rid of wickard versus filburn which is the the famous case where the uh, court decided that you know growing wheat in your backyard for your cows is uh, interstate commerce but um yeah it, it's, it's really ironic because basically what the court just did was it reversed judicial activism You know, the judicial activism was usurping state authority. Uh, There is nothing in the Constitution that gives the federal government any power to legislate or have anything to do with abortion. Uh, You know, if you believe that abortion is murder, then we we don't generally have federal murder laws. It's a state issue, it should have always Mm -hmm. been a state issue. And now, it is, according to the court, once again a state issue. So, uh, yeah, it's very ironic because, again, you've taken judicial activism and actually rolled it back, and it is extremely uh, unusual to see any government entity actually give up some of its power and authority. Um, so… Yeah, uh, you know, the 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 wailing and gnashing of teeth, notwithstanding, it it was a correct opinion. Now, I haven't read the opinion. I'm sure that there is some reasoning in there that I would probably disagree with. Because again, a long time ago, uh, you know, we we gave up the actual principle where the federal government should stick its nose out of this stuff. But um, but you know, really, this is the proper thing. It should be rolled back to the state levels, and and each state needs to decide what it's gonna do about abortion. Now, interestingly, here in the state of Florida, where I am, we already have a case that is being heard where the uh, state's abortion law is being challenged on the basis of, oh my gosh, the state constitution. And there's a good possibility that uh, the more restrictive abortion law is gonna be rolled back based on the state constitution. So maybe for folks on the left, Things might not be as dire as you think, but nobody wants to actually have to do policy work at the state level because then you got to do it at 50 states. It's much easier to go get your nine judges to impose their will from on high, uh, and and you know get what you want. And and really, that's what politics has become. I think you put it perfectly a few minutes ago when you talked about the idea of of you know imposing your will on everybody that is the political game it's winner take all and again I think just from a from a more abstract stepping back from the idea of politics that's not a good way to organize society in my view
1: now I know that the good folks at the Tenth Amendment Center would argue that we've we've had the tools at our disposal all along we've had them all along to resist tyranny at the federal level yes now, for our left-wing friends, because they're really the ones that are gnashing their teeth today, uh, there's this wonderful tweet by this by this gentleman that <laughs> I remember him way, way, way back from ESPN, but boy, those days seem like a long time mm-hmm. ago, don't they? Keith Olbermann. Keith Olbermann said, quote, "...it has become necessary to dissolve the Supreme Court of the United States. The first step is for a state the court has now forced guns upon to ignore this ruling." Great, you're a court. Why and how do you think you can enforce your rulings? Hashtag ignore the court. Wait, 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 uh, wait,
2: wait. Isn't that racist?
1: That's incredible. It's neo-confederate. <laughs> neo-confederate. Did you Confederate. know that he's neo? Yeah. Yeah. So so first of all, I now I know... there's a funny thing about talking about about, uh, statements like this one from from our friend Keith, in that we know that these people don't argue in good faith. Mm -hmm. So where they are are willing to meet you halfway and discuss a political strategy that you agree with, they're only doing it for their own victory, and the moment that they have power over you, they will absolutely go right back to lording it over you. With that said, just that statement alone right there, hashtag ignore the court. The state doesn't like what the federal court says, just ignore it and do whatever you want. Where is he wrong, though, Mike?
2: He's not. I'm like, hey, welcome to the club, man. Let's let's do this. Right. Um, Of course, you're right. He only wants to ignore the court on this particular thing that he happens to disagree with. Uh, And and of course, people on the right are equally as guilty of that. You know, uh, the the folks that uh, get all excited about nullifying certain things, uh, you know, when when the court comes down with something they agree with, whether constitutional or not, then all of a sudden, you know, oh, we can't do nullification. That's rebellion against—I don't even mean, know what's rebellion against. But so, yeah. Hey, Keith, you know, welcome, welcome. We we've, we've been waiting for you. Come on board because we're we're going to be on board with ignore the court uh, pretty much consistently, no matter what the court does. Because again going back to the original constitution, there is very little that the federal government is supposed to be doing to start with. So, um, you know, that's the difference between the 10th amendment center and the folks on the left and the folks on the right. We've been consistently saying this for now 16 years, which, uh, incidentally our 16th anniversary just passed, um, on Sunday.
1: Now it's interesting that you say that, that the 10th amendment center has been consistent on that, uh, despite, people on the left and the right, which implies that, wait a minute, the 10th Amendment Center is not loved by right-wingers the world over? No. Perish the thought. However, this we're kind of moving into the last part of our talk here, Mike, and I want to lead off with this. There are people, particularly on the right, because, of course, it's whichever side is getting their way most recently. They're the ones that want to want to stick the dagger in. Right. That's how that's how because politics, as we know it in this country, is a pendulum. Mm -hmm. It swings back and forth. And right now it's swinging towards the right. Yep. There we have people. And I'm not going to name any names, but you and I have friends that we we know very well that have the attitude of look. Incorporation's a done deal. Mm-hmm. Nothing we can do about that. So, so if we've got the power, we might as well use it. Let's let's not just be content to roll back. Let's actually do what the leftists do. Let's pass new authoritarian measures at the federal level to strike back at all the leftist policies we don't like. Right wingers are cheering all the rulings from this last week or so, mm-hmm. but I, I can't help but. For people who get their information from you know books and reading articles as opposed to headlines and memes, they know that it's always a two-way street. Mm-hmm. This thing always goes back and forth, and progressives are masters at playing the long game, particularly as it pertains to usurping federal power. What do you? What is your opinion of the people, particularly on the right, that are saying, hey, we've got the ball rolling. Let's just go ahead and take that one ring and use
2: it against our enemies. Yeah, I think it's short-sighted. Um, because, and I guess, you know, I've taken a much longer view of things, uh, again, as I've gotten older and, and hopefully maybe a little bit wiser. Um, but when you, the, the problem, let, let's, let's look at what is, what is the, ultimately the problem that we have in our political system? The problem is too much power in government, right? When you continue To pump up the power, then you're going to continue to have tyranny. Uh, You know, it's the old saying if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you always got. So ultimately, this is going to flip back around. There's going to be a point that, uh, you know, the left is going to be back in control. And the right is going to be upset because the left is abusing its power, and they're going to start – we need constitutional limits, and we need to roll – well, too bad, too late. you got to roll back the power when you've got the power to roll back the power, and nobody seems to want to do that. I think, I think too many people are caught up in the short game because they can't see past a year or two down the road. And I think too many people get caught up in the emotionalism of, hey, I'm going to own the libs. You know, these guys have been sticking it to us for all of these years. So now we get to stick it to them. Been waiting for this. This is going to be great. And there's an emotional satisfaction in that. I get it. But you're not going to get liberty. If that's really your goal, you're not going to get liberty by imposing yourself on other people. Um, you know, Jeff Dice over at the Mises Institute wrote a really good article. It seems like just a year ago, but it may have been longer, but he talked about the imposed and the imposed upon. And now all of a sudden you've got a lot of people on the right that suddenly get the opportunity to be the imposers. And I understand that the, the, the thrill of that, but it goes back to that old act and adage, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So you know, get drunk on the power now. You're going to regret it when you have the hangover and that power is being slammed against your head, uh, you know, three or four or five years down the road. So I'm going to keep pushing. And, and again, it's a long term game. As Thomas Jefferson once said, the path to liberty is gained by inches. And I want to gain those inches. And I'm not going to give up inches just because I have the opportunity to own the libs or maybe get some kind of short term victory that probably isn't going to last. Unless we have some actual structural changes in the system that rolls back government power on a broad base.
1: Well, something I've said for years now, long before these recent rulings, and and I definitely stand by it, is progressives, for better or worse, usually worse, but – so this is certainly not a defense of progressivism, but progressives, for better or worse – Bleed on issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I mean by definition, that's what conservatives do, right? They like to conserve the status quo. That they're the traditionalists, but what they view as the tradition they're trying to conserve can be the Obama years right. at this point. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, All those so, good old days. Yeah. Right. And so I, I've always felt like uh, mainstream conservatism is just sort of a self-defeating prophecy in in so much and how they operate. Um, and so by that logic, I can understand right-wingers who say, well, no, let's take the fight to them. Yeah. And their definition of taking the fight to the enemy is hoarding the power and passing draconian laws at the federal level yeah. to impose their will on the states. But progressives, for better or worse, tend to lead policy, culture, opinion, mm-hmm. society, etc. cetera when things like this happen so th- we're we're kind of getting to the silver linings here this is this is what we'll end on mike we're, we'll talk a little bit about the silver linings i like silver linings because there's you know there's 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 perhaps reasons for optimism mm-hmm. in some of the things that have happened recently but there's also reasons to be wary of the future when the political pendulum swings back the other way right um, i feel like one of the silver linings here is perhaps driving the wedge so deep that the irreconcilable differences become so stark, and the the fear, uh, the foreboding that your political opponents are going to be the ones that happen to get the nuclear launch codes when the missiles are ready to strike, so to speak, mm-hmm. is so great that it causes a national divorce. Yeah, something that that you you're seeing now more people than I think ever before. At least in modern politics, and think, and, and because of people on the left, more people than ever before using hashtag national divorce yep. in their tweets. Our friend Keith Olbermann right there says, "You don't like it, just ignore it." Yeah. They don't tell us what to do. To me, that's the precursor. If if you can if you can continue on in a union, if you will, um, that that respects each other's sovereignty, then so be it. But if you can't, then the next logical step is is you break that union apart. Yeah. What do you think about evaluating this as a silver lining, that if progressives tend to be the ones that lead, and right now progressives are the ones getting the bat hit over the top of their head, progressives being the ones that ultimately break the union apart. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this and, and let you have the final word. I've said many, many years, Tex- Texans love to about, isn't it like every two or three years, Texas likes to bring up into the national conversation, well, we're going to secede if you keep doing right. this or that. I have long said, if we see a state secede in our lifetime, then the dominoes will fall. Mm-hmm. And the first state to do it won't be Texas. It'll be California. Yeah,
2: I think that's... What a, do you think about that? I think that is highly likely. Um, you know, it's interesting because right after the, uh, the abortion opinion came out, uh, there was a whole bunch of people that were like, ah, that's it. I'm leaving Texas. Good. That's the whole point. If that is the most important issue for you and you can't live in a state where abortion is restricted, move your ass to California or whatever other state is going to have more liberal abortion laws. And I I don't mean that to be mean. You know, it's not like, well, you don't like it. Just leave. No, that's the whole point of a decentralized system. And, you know, if you don't like the way New York does its permit laws. Move to Kentucky, you don't even have to get a permit there, you know. So I, I like this reordering, and I think the more reordering that you get, the more likely it is that somebody's going to take the political impetus uh, to, you know, to actually start breaking that union. I think something you may see first is um, a state splitting up, you know, as opposed to having a state become its own country. You know, maybe you see, uh, you know, the northern cal- counties of California join Idaho or something like that. I don't know if I just made a geographical mistake. I probably did, um, but Oregon, whatever. You know, where, where you start seeing these, uh, these this reordering of of states, um, and I don't see why that's a problem. There's nothing that says that this current political union is again to use the the, the word. I like the word because it sounds cool. sacrosanct. Um, there's no reason that we have to have a big nation using air quotes of 50 states uh, maybe we'd be better breaking it up into parts and if you believe that government is really for utility you know to make our lives better then different people again have different views on how that would work. I see no problem of you know dividing up in ways where where you know these people over here like this and would do it that way and these people over here do it that way and we make it so people can move. That to me seems like a better way to get along, a better way to order society, a better way to have a quote-unquote good life than it is to insist that everybody's got to do things the same way. And and so that's my vision of liberty: break it up as much as possible. I, you know, let's have a hundred states. Uh, you know, let cities break off. I don't care. Let's make it so that we have people that are grouped together that have. Nobody's ever going to agree with everything, but I think we could get to a place where at least maybe we can get along with our neighbors. Seems like a good idea to me, right? Well, absolutely.
1: So the One of the things I said very recently is the beauty of the Tenth Amendment is Tennessee, Tennesseans need not concern themselves with policy in California. Right. However – that only works, and this message is for our right-wing friends who are cheering the rulings. Mm-hmm. That only works when Tennesseans also don't worry themselves about the plight of Californians. Yeah, I like that. It's 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 so interesting, and and well, thank you for that. But I I, I really stole the principle of that from you because I think I I had seen you talk recently talking about how if if you're going to use as an argument. That, well, my my dear friends in California don't have the same liberty as me, so we're going to have to liberate them via federal law. Is that not, in principle, the same argument made by every neocon ever for every foreign intervention ever?
2: Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting because the people that are most vehement that well, that second amendment that's our rights and it should apply everywhere. I don't ever see them worrying about the fact that they can't carry guns in England, you know, it's always like, well, too bad for those guys. Well, why can't you take that mentality if you live in Kentucky and say, well, you know, too bad for Californians? Why why is it that just because we've drawn this weird geographical boundary that that you have to concern yourselves with people that are 2,000 miles away from you? I don't really get it um and, and so we need to you know it's interesting you go back we're about to have the 4th of July right and i'll I'll close with this we're about to have the 4th of July and most americans love the whole american revolution you know it's 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 a great story uh the oppressed little guy throws off the shackles and beats the 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 big bad bully and and gets its freedom and liberty we love that story but John Adams made the point, and I think he's absolutely right, that the real American Revolution actually happened long before the first shot was ever fired. The real American Revolution was a revolution in thought. There was a change in thinking about the way government should be. Prior to the American experiment, pretty much everybody agreed that government was sovereign, that it was not a problem having a king who got to dictate you know, all policy or, in, in the case of England, the parliament, and, and that uh, you know government was supreme. And then people started to say, hey, wait a minute. Shouldn't the people be supreme? Shouldn't government serve the people? That was a radical revolution in thought. We need to have a radical revolution in thought today and change the way we think about politics instead of feeling like because we live in this boundary that some guys made you know, 250-some years ago. Think about it in a different way. Think more local, as, as our friend Brian McClanahan says. Think local, act local. There's not a reason that we have to to try to impose our will on 320 million people. And that's really – if I could leave anybody with that message, that, that would – a message. That would be it, That that we don't have to impose our will on everybody. We just need to find like-minded people, create community with those folks, and let everybody else do their thing. But I don't know, you know, something in human nature, I guess, where they find it difficult to let other people do their thing. So I don't know if we're going to have that revolution in thought in the near future. But that's really what we need to really pr- to to create this change that we all really want to have.
1: Speaking of just being able to do your thing, Mike, where can people real
2: quick, where can people go to support you and read more about the 10th Amendment? Well, I would encourage people to go to 10th Amendment dot you spell out 10th, and when you get there, I would encourage you to go on the front page. You can go through – like it, I think it's things to read, um, and you'll find the state of the nullification report. It's a free PDF download. It's like 50, 50 pod pages. And it will explain our strategy for dealing with federal overreach. And I will give you the spoiler. It has absolutely nothing to do with suing in federal court. Um, but you can download that for free, read it. You'll get an idea of our strategy, how we apply that strategy to various issues. And then if you're more interested, you can dig into the blog and, and you know start learning a lot more about what I think is the best strategy to deal with federal overreach. And then if you really like what's going on, become a member. It's like you can do it for as little as like two bucks a month. We'd really appreciate that kind of support. So dot com, check it out, and uh, I think you'll be glad you did. Well on that note, thank you
1: so much, Mike. I think I think we did it. I told you before the show started that uh we're we're this is going to be a weird episode this week. Instead of having like half and half, half funny nonsense and half uh guest segment, we're going to do like 45 with you and 15 funny nonsense. And we did it with 2 minutes and 5 seconds to spare. Nice. How well, about that?
2: Some people are going to say that the last 45 minutes has been uh nonsense, but well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> they're retarded <laughs> I... <laughs> indeed on that
1: note guys we're going to be back to wrap up the show right after this commercial break don't go away If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com/slash alan mosley. Like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com/slash alan mosley TV. You can follow me on Twitter. Twitter.com/at alan mosley TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash Alan Mosley TV. Oh, we don't have the other things. Where are the other things? I don't know. We'll pull them up. What, what do I even oh, pay you there for? It goes. We're now on Odyssey. Go support a free speech platform. We're not on Odyssey.com. It's interlaced <laughs> with Alan Mosley TV. You're more of a listener than a watcher. You can find us on your favorite podcasting platform of choice thanks to Anchor FM. That's anchor.fm slash Alan Mosley TV. I'll ju- it's it's fine yeah. Dave I'll just do it I'll just do it
0: <laughs> I don't know how to manually operate this show anymore my button failed and I'm lost <laughs> hey if we're gonna oh screw up God. that's the best time I just want to say
1: really quick I'm not I'm I'm, I'm gonna be nice um <laughs> Tonight's show was a fantastic show with an amazing guest talking about really important stuff. And the things that I'm seeing on social media and in chat tells me that everyone needs to go back and watch it about 20 more times. There's a lot of people that only... I said this in the interview. I'll say it again. There's a lot of people out there that get all their information from headlines from CNN and memes that their friends share. And you know what? The world's a little bit more complex than that. Hate to tell you, you might have to read a book at some point in your goddamn life to understand what's going on in the world um with that said dave do you have a final thought
0: (laughs) oh this has been great this is this has been a fun show um it's always great great to see mike it was it was a really good interview that i saw and i'm i am gonna i'm gonna listen to the podcast tomorrow while i'm at work so yeah this is fun i'm excited about the after party oh yeah the after party
1: we better get on that because we're running late already um guys, the after party is gonna be over on Twitch if you're on a different platform. But if we don't see you, thank you so much for watching another episode of It's Too Late, and we will see you next week.
0: I'm gonna blame the stream deck. There...
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how come how come technology doesn't do everything for me? <laughs>
0: what does button do (laughs) how how do i run show yeah i I could probably automate all of this just yeah i just sit it out
1: (laughs) you know i was i was looking over on twitter while we were doing the show and everyone's just sharing bullshit we can't get a single share like for like actual information